Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about 80 Republicans join the surveillance state. Barb Allen, founder of Great American Summit, joins me. And MAPS, as in M-A-P-S MAPS, and Ghislaine Maxwell, legitimizing sexual perversion. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. You likely saw over the weekend uh, that there was a lot of this conversation about the 80 Republicans, 8-0 members of the U.S. Congress, who joined in support of the Democrats, uh, with the Democrats, to create a national vaccine database. And great um, consternation on, on the part of many Republicans. And, and basically, you know, this is a national database that keeps track of vaccines. And so every time somebody gets a vaccination or an update or a booster, uh, it would all be in this database. And so part of what's happened since that um, became public, became news, is that there have been people pushing back and saying, well, it's not really, you know, the creation of a database because we already, really already had a vaccine database. We're just spending more money. Uh, we're adding to it, um, and we're actually talking about really getting a focus on the COVID vaccines. So I want to just talk briefly about that, because some of these Republicans are pushing back. In particular, a Republican congressman from Texas named Dan Crenshaw. God bless him for serving in the military. I'm very sorry about his injury, his life-changing injury in the military. But he's put out a pretty snarky um, and pretty harsh statement, really, uh, claiming that all these people who are mocking and ridiculing those who voted for the creation for the vaccine database do not know what they're talking about. They're completely crazy. And he essentially says, you know, all we did, the, the database already existed, and all we did was vote to spend some new money on it. And we even, says uh, Representative Crenshaw, we even made it better because we tried to protect against, we did additional privacy protections in this bill. And here's what I want to say to him and every Republican who voted to support the Democrats' focus on the vaccine uh, database in Washington, D.C., the COVID vaccine database. If you voted for that, you are not following, you are not paying attention to what time it is in America, and you are not paying attention to how extreme the leftist agenda is in using COVID and people's vaccination status to enhance the surveillance state, to enhance surveillance of the American people, to enhance control over the American people, whether or not they can go to restaurants, they can leave their home, what they can do. If you are not following this, you're not following the fact that the, in this case, the COVID vaccine, the left is using the COVID vaccine as a means to control the population, as a means to take away liberty from the American people. You're not following what's happening in America. There's no excuse at all what Crenshaw said, but he says, well, you know, we already had this. We're just adding a few. No, you have to recognize what's happening. Let me just give you a few examples of what's happening in America. In New York, not just New York City any longer, New York State announces compulsory vaccinations for all private sector workers. I want to say that again, announcing compulsory vaccinations for all private sector workers, vaccine passports for all public entry. Actually, this is in New York City. This is Mayor de Blasio. And this is a great expansion over, you know, the, the vaccine mandate that Biden tried to do with respect to just healthcare workers. This is private sector healthcare, private sector people in New York. You might work in the garment industry. You might work in any job there is in New York City. He's saying all private sector employees must have a, a compulsory COVID vaccine. Um, and, and everyone, in order to be able to go to public places, you know, like restaurants and museums and stores, you must have a vaccine passport. This is outrageous. And this is just the tip of the iceberg of what leftists will do once they realize they have endless license to use the COVID vaccine as a means of controlling the people. I will tell you, one of the Republicans who spoke out about this and tried to explain to her fellow colleagues why it was so dangerous, this is Rep Republican Mar Representative Mary Miller, 
Republican from Illinois, one of the 130 Republicans who vote no, essentially said this legislation will enable the federal government to track unvaccinated Americans, to track unvaccinated Americans who will be targeted and forced to comply with Biden's crazy global vaccination vision. And, you know, it's really interesting. If you think that the Biden team is not just driven to do this, consider this. Courts all over this country have been telling the Biden administration, you have no federal authority, no constitutional authority to issue vaccine mandates, to require that even healthcare workers, just a limited healthcare worker vaccination mandate, you have no constitutional authority to do this. Even after the court ruled, there was a district court, then there was a, there was a the, uh, three district panel, then the whole court ruled and, and tried to say to him, actually, you know, uh, Mr. President, you really have no reason to do this, no right to do this. They don't care. They, they're right back in front of the court saying, yeah, but you want to do it anyway. Will you please give us permission. So the 80 uh, Republicans who voted with the Democrats. Now, another one of them from Texas is Congressman Michael Burgess. I happen to know him. He li- represents a district not too far from here voting for it. And I will say those Republicans who voted for it, maybe they're voting for it because they think, well, you know, it's just kind of almost a technical update. We already have this database. Again, not recognizing what time it is in America, not recognizing how the left is manipulating this the vaccine to be a, a jumping off point, a launch point to their massive expansion of control over the people. Look what's happening around the world. The European Union is now considering just an absolute vaccine mandate for everyone. No exceptions. That's what they're talking about in the European Union. Just, you know, we've just, we can't put up with these people who won't get vaccinated. They just have no right to not listen to us. We have the, uh, the FD, uh, NIH working very hard to convince the American people that this new Omicron variant, well, that's the reason now, my gosh, if you didn't get a vaccine so far, get it now, Omicron variant. You want to know the doctors in South Africa who came across the Omicron variant, they are putting statements out in the media, basically, what in the world are you doing, America? What are you doing? This is a very mild variant. The symptoms are like a cold. It's like a, a virus, a combination of a cold and kind of a COVID virus. And if you don't know yet, I'll tell you how many deaths have occurred. This Omicron variant, uh, Omicron variant has turned up in America and in Africa and other places. And how many deaths did they experience? How many people died? Zero. Zero deaths from Omicron, and yet we can shut down flights from Africa. We can shut down. Uh, and, and if you don't see the tendency to tyranny heading out from the left, because once they get more and more power based on this COVID vaccine, I will share also in Oregon, the state of Oregon, they had, you know, a, as many places did, I don't support it, but they had a mask mandate, you know, because we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's really terrible. We got to protect people. Well, you know, as most people are acknowledging, doctors around the country have been saying, you know, the, 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 the COVID uh, pandemic is kind of over. I mean, mostly we're past it. Uh, they have great numbers and they have great efficacy, as we talk about in this show. Day after day after day in the show, the efficacy, the effectiveness of the uh, very inexpensive, already existing treatments in the form of hydroxychloroquine, budesonide, ivermectin, the monoclonal antibody infusion process, All of that is very effective in dealing with COVID. So there's no reason to continue to push the vaccine. The vaccine was originally pushed under the argument by the government, there's nothing else to treat COVID. We have to rush to get a vaccine. Nothing else works. Well, now that all these doctors are pointing out these medications work wonders, they're great. uh, There's no backing off of the vaccine push. So back to Oregon, they're now announcing it under consideration because the temporary nature of their original mask mandate, which is basically you have to wear masks indoors at any public place, including public schools, they're considering making it permanent. Please think about that, permanent. Not because, uh, you know, they can say, well, Omicron variant, new variants. You talk about change in the way we function in America, the change in the way we have, uh, we, we do business in America. If you're told you simply must for the rest of your life, wear a mask when you're indoors because of potential possible, uh, you know, harm, you have changed American society forever. I'm going to hit two last quick points before we go to our, um, our, have your guest join us. One is 
that there are protest marches happening around the world against governments who are imposing vaccine mandates, who are imposing shutdowns, who are imposing vaccine passport requirements that you have to have them leave your home. And you know, I want to just point, ask you if you didn't, didn't know this, why do you think you don't see these on the evening news? Why are they not? I mean, these are massive protests. Italy, Germany, Australia, Austria, New Zealand, all over the world. There are massive protests in the streets, people waving signs. We're not going to be told we have to stay home the rest of our lives. We're against vaccine passports. We're against vaccine mandates. And the media does the, you know, the cover my ears, see no evil, never reports it just doesn't even tell you. And it can make you feel like maybe your concerns aren't really shared by very many people because after all, there should be lots of protests if this is what's really happening. There are protests all over the world. Italy, one of the countries with one of the most repressive vaccine policies, um, has massive protests ongoing, people pushing back against the government. The thing they have in Italy, I don't know if I'll find the name easily enough, but Italy was kind of getting on board with the EU idea uh, about this, this, oh, Green Pass, it's called Green Pass. So I want to close out one last thing before I, uh, this is my last point in the first five for today. I want you to think about what the government, if they're so, you know, so determined, so unrelenting, saying, you sim everybody has to get a vaccine. What are they going to do to the people who don't want to do it? What are they going to do? I mean, because there's discussion right now, well, you know, you might have to have, I don't know, concentration camps, send people away. You might have to say they can never leave their homes again. You might have forced vaccination. Plenty of vaccine advocates are into the forced vaccine thing. I'm going to save the rest of the uh, stories, uh, issues I want to share with this because I want to make sure we have time to get to our guest. But I want to just tell you something to tease a little, something I'll come back to later. All of this push for vaccines, for absolutely everyone must get vaccinated, you know, push for vaccinating children, which is very, very scary because they have like zero risk of virtually zero, statistically zero risk of contracting or dying and yet pushing out of Washington, out of Biden, out of left-wing governors in this country, pushing for the children's vaccines. What are they gonna do if the children, the parents say no? What will they do to them? The last thing I'll tease, and I'll go to our guest is this. The FDA, along with Pfizer, you know, Pfizer was the one that manufactures of one of the prominent vaccines for COVID. And when a lawsuit, a Freedom of Information Act was filed saying, basically, we wanna see the data on all of your vaccine testing. You must have done vaccine testing. We, we wanna see the data. I mean, how did the testing go? Why did you decide this vaccine was acceptable and safe given the massive number as reported in the VAERS, Vaccine Injury uh, Reporting Service? If there's all those deaths and all those injuries reported to people, what happened during your trials? Why can't we see that? So Freedom of Information Act was filed. FDA and Pfizer first came back saying, you know what? There's just so much information. I think the number was like, 53 years, that's what they said. It would take them roughly 53 years, years to release the data. And some judge said, uh, sorry, uh-uh, you're gonna start releasing it right now. I'll tease this by saying this, I'll come back to it later. Pfizer, the, just a tiny portion of their data was released. The, the vaccine testing they did, mind-blowing number of deaths just in the first three months, deaths directly caused by the vaccines in Pfizer's testing in just the first three months. The idea that it even got authorized, bad enough. The idea you have the federal government in Washington pushing the vaccine as a basic, you know, get out of jail card, be ever allowed to go out of your house again card, is mind blowing, simply mind blowing. And, the end, and looping back to my starting point, the idea you have 80 Republicans in the United States Congress who cannot connect any of these dots, cannot watch what's happening in the world, cannot discern the data Pfizer and FDA releasing means that no government should be forcing this. What those 80 Republicans did, even if the vaccine database already existed, they aided and abetted and legitimized the Democrats' determination to use COVID as a vehicle to expand government power, to take away freedom for the American people, to expand their tyranny. 
And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So I mentioned we have a guest joining us. It's, I'm really glad she could join us today. Her name is Barb Allen. She'll be joining us via Skype in just a moment. She's an author and speaker and a gold star wife, but she's also the founder of, or the co-founder, I guess, of an, an event in Dallas, actually it's in Irving, Texas. Have her talk to you about, it's called the Great America Summit. And you know, there are a lot of, um, a lot of people waking up, recognizing the kind of the concerns people have about what's happening in America. They're holding a summit here in Irving, January 7th and 8th, Great America Summit. I wanted to invite Barb Allen on to tell us all about it. So please welcome Barb Allen. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so glad you could join us. I, you are, and I just want to really give you a lot of uh, leeway. Just tell us about what is this Great America Summit all about that you're sponsoring in Irving, Texas? Well, I mean, Great American Summit is in part our answer to everything you just spoke about in your first five, which is so alarming. And what's even more alarming about what you just spoke about is that's only the tip of the iceberg of what's out there. I mean, that's just a small portion of what Americans are facing today. And it seems incredible to me to even have these conversations that they need to be had or that an event like the Great American Summit is even needed. But I feel like the three years it's taken us to push through all these mandates and COVID, uh, you know, lockdowns and all this nonsense to get this event to happen has put us in the exact right place at the exact right time because this truly is the event that America and Americans need right now to come together and connect and collaborate and, and conquer all of these challenges together. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to help us have a platform and spread the word about it today. Well, that's great. I will tell you, I think, actually I've lost track of, I meant to send a Mr. Becker. Uh, okay, there are your speakers. And I want our, our listeners to see, so it's January 7th and 8th in Irving, Texas, the Great America Summit. And I, yeah, yeah okay, greatamericasummit.com. There are some of your confirmed speakers. And um, mm -hmm. I just, you know, I wanted to say if you can touch on the kinds of issues, I, I guess it sounds like you might be talking about COVID policy a little bit. Are there other specific issues you're focusing on? Well, it's not so much about policies, right? It's about what we as Americans can do to stand up against these, to push back against this actual tyranny that is sweeping our country. And again, this seems incredible to put these words in the, in the same sentence as America, but that's where we're at now. You know, uh, my husband, Lou, was killed in Iraq in 2005, and we had four little boys who were six, five, three, and one at that time. I had to raise my kids without their dad. My kids will never know what their dad, what life would have been like with this extraordinary person who was their father. We went through so much, and we represent just a, a smattering of people in this country who have given so much to stand up and preserve the freedoms and core values of our country that are now being taken away by the some of the very people that all uh, people like my husband have you know lost their lives in service of so it's just incredible to me so this event is about a place where americans can come together to celebrate patriotism and acknowledge that our country is flawed but we can still love it and from there to begin building up the everything every dime raised for this event by the way is going back to organizations that we have personally vetted that support uh, work to combat human trafficking or support our veterans, our law enforcement, and our first responders. So this is our way of giving back and letting everybody who comes to this event also be a part of giving back and supporting things that are gonna strengthen ourselves, our families, and our communities because that's how we strengthen the country. So we're bringing in speakers who have incredible stories of resilience, fleeing communism, coming here, overcoming hurdles, building up massive businesses, giving back to their communities, teaching people how to build success from nothing, giving them a place to land if they don't want to comply with these ridiculous mandates that are that are being pushed upon us. So what is somebody what is somebody going to do? How many people are taking these shots just because they feel helpless, they have nowhere to land? This event is going to connect them with people who can show them exactly where to land so that they can live a life that they want to live and strengthen themselves because I feel like it's only going to get worse before it gets better. And in order for Americans to be able to withstand what's coming next, we have to have our own houses in order. So this event is gonna teach people how to get their houses in order in a multitude of different ways so that uh, we can work together and withstand what's coming and push back against it and get our country back really. But along the way, we're gonna have some fun. You know, We have some concerts, we have some special performances. So it's gonna be a really good time on top of a really important time. I love that. I will tell you that, first of all, I think I was reading that. If you can put that uh, slide up again, Mr. Becker, about who's speaking there. Okay, see so at the top right, greatamericasummit.com. I believe you can go to that site and you can read much more about who the speakers are, what they're all about, what they may be addressing. 
and and um, so that'd be one thing. And then so uh, back to Barb, if you can tell us, so if people want to get tickets to this event, how they do that? Yeah, definitely hop onto that website right there. GreatAmericanSummit.com is it. We also are holding back some tickets to offer for free to um, local, especially law enforcement, military, and first responders uh, who are in the community who may want to come. We have some free tickets for you. So please go ahead and email me, Barb, at americansnippets.com if you'd like to come, um, or you can get the information on the website or where to connect with us. But that's my direct email. I will respond personally to all of those emails that come in. That's what I've been doing every day. So it's barb at americansnippets.com. We'd love to gift uh, military, law enforcement, and first responders in the community and their families some tickets to come be a part of this event. Okay, love that. Are you saying the word snippets, like S-N-I-P-P-E-T-S, snippets? Yes. Yeah, okay. American Snippets is our company that's, that's putting on the Great American Summit. Yeah. Okay. Well, Barb Allen, first of all, thank you for pulling this together. I hope our listeners will go to Great Ameri- it's Great American with an N on the end, right? Great American Summit. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, and also uh, to check out on that webpage, you can see more about who the speakers are. A lot of them, I, I knew some of the names. Um, and I love the idea people could email you, barb at americansnippets.com, uh, especially local law enforcement in Texas who might want to come. It's in Irving, Texas. And again, it's January 7th and 8th. No, is that right? What dates are again? It's January 7th and 8th. That's correct. Okay. Barb Allen, thank you for taking time and joining me today. I so appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so very much for getting me in. Okay, I'm thrilled we did. All right, so there you go, folks. I mean, I have to tell you, there are so many things like this happening around this country. You know, I I often find out, I I see friends posting things and saying, oh yeah, I went to the blah, blah, blah event, and I I haven't even heard of it. So what she's doing, Barb Allen, Great American Summit, you have, of course, Clay Clark doing the Reawaken America tours. You have all sorts of conservative groups around the country, and everyone's doing this thing of trying to rally the troops, wake people up. And it kind of reminds me of something I wanted to address briefly before I get on to, I do want to share with you uh, a new opportunity to support America Can We Talk in a minute. But first I want to say this, I hear people who say, well, you know, they, they talk about, well, this rally here and some great speaker comes here and speakers here and there, you know, what good are they doing? They're just talking and everyone who comes to those summits already knows that they're already on the side of conservatism, they're on the side of saving America. So what, what good are these summits are doing? So I really just want to address that for a minute. You know, if you are somebody in this country who is, you know, you have a responsible job, you're a mom or dad, you got kids at home, you got a job, you got kids, you got the house and the mortgage and the yard to take care of and get the kid to soccer practice and get the kid, you know, kids where they have to go. Your life is consumed with actually important obligations and you may not be very political at all. You just may not be. And most people tend not to notice politics until something that happens actually changes their life. Like right now, gas prices, people going, hey, wait a minute, you know, it's costing me much more to drive to work every day than it used to. People notice gas prices. People notice taxes. They notice what's in their wallet. And they notice when their freedoms are being taken away, as we're now hearing, as the left is pushing more and more for mandates, shutdowns, lockdowns, get a, get a, a vaccine or you can't go back to work. I mean, there are a lot of people leaving their jobs because they're being told if you don't get the, if you don't get the vaccine, you lose your job. And people saying, okay, I'll lose my job. They are pushing back. So conferences like the one, this Great America Summit, as well as conferences all over the country, the beauty of them, they are, first of all, a blessing we have, the opportunity to have them because we have a First Amendment. We have a First Amendment that says you actually have the right to freedom of speech. Now, we better hold on to that because many people on the left do not think that people who don't agree with them should be allowed to talk at all. And secondly, when you go to these events, what happens is whatever one you choose, you hear things, you hear them said in different words and different ways. And so you think, well, I, I knew I believed that, but boy, is that a great point I just heard. That's a great argument. I, I'm in favor of that. You hear that, you, know, you learn things, ways to say things, new considerations. I mean, you might not have just liked the um, you know, gas prices going up in your uh, community and feeling like it's cost you more than it used to, to drive. But when you start to put that in the context of American energy policy and the destruction of the fossil fuel industry and the targeting of the coal industry and the pushing of completely unreliable uh, solar power and uh, wind power uh, 
production of energy as the soul all of a sudden we're all going to have you know wind and sun and, and and i mean you start to put the issues you care about in bigger bigger policy terms and the other thing it does it enthuses people inspires them with enthusiasm they go there to these conferences and they look around and they see other people realize wow i'm not the only one i'm not the only one sitting at home kind of at the dinner table or sitting in my chair in the evening reading and kind of worrying or worrying on the way to work, worrying in your car by yourself, what's happening to our country. You recognize there are literally thousands and thousands of people all around you who feel the same way. And the other thing that does, once you're more confident that you're not alone and that actually your concerns about America and the, the massive loss of freedom were just staring at us right in the face, is you recognize you actually can do something. You, everybody can do something that you don't just have to sit at home and fret about it and hand wring and discuss it with your wife or your husband. You can actually do something. You learn things about what can I do. We talk in this show a lot about parents showing up at school board meetings. You can show up at city council meetings and county commission court meetings. You can show up at state legislative hearings. You can be on the case of your representative in Congress and your senators. If they're not doing the right thing, the America was intended to be, by its very founding, governed by we the people. That was one of the primary points. We the people are the primary power holders in this country. It is what we are, are supposed to be. And when you have a government not listening to the people, it is incumbent on the people to rise up, stand up, speak up. Everybody's got their little foxhole. No one's going to solve all of America's problems. No one person, no one uh, you know, issue, no one uh, you know, action or event is going to change America, to pull us back off the cliff, you know, back up over the cliff, away from socialism, back to freedom in America. No one person is going to stop the tyranny of the left. It takes, it takes thousands and probably millions of people and everybody fighting in their foxhole, their area of the world, their issue they care about. That's how America is going to be saved. So these kind of conferences that this is what you just heard about from Barb Allen, the Great America Summit, whatever other ones you go to, they give you ideas of how to speak up, how to be involved. This is a, an enormously popular grassroots rising effort in America that the American people themselves are rising up to say, we are going to save this country. We're not going to live in a country ruled in tyranny. We're not going to live in a country where we're told whether or not we can go out of our, outside of our house in the morning based on what the government thinks about our personal decisions about vaccines. I'm going to hit one more point of vaccines, then I'm going to turn to our third topic for today. But on the subject of vaccines, I just want to make this point. Um, I, I mentioned about Pfizer. Okay, here it is. Yeah. Okay. So you know, in America, thank goodness, we have a Freedom of Information Act. It just means that you can go, any citizen can file a lawsuit under the Freedom of Information Act. And you can, you have to meet certain standards as you want the government to release information that should be public. Or you, you make the argument why it should be public. Obviously, you cannot ask, you know, them to divulge, you know, future war plans or something that would endanger America's national security. But you can say... I want to know this. I want the data on this. I want to know. You, you seek information. So under freedom of information, somebody asked about the results of the COVID vaccine authorizations decisions. Because before all these vaccinations became uh, legal in this most rushed process ever, there was a process of testing. And if you listen to my show this past Thursday, we had Dr. Robert Malone on this past Thursday. He was talking about the idea. He used the expression regulatory capture. And he was talking about the idea that the vaccine manufacturers, the pharmaceutical companies that create all of these vaccines, these people who actually make the vaccines have over the years become in charge of the regulation the government makes about those vaccines. And you might, if you've not heard this concept before, you might be thinking, well, that's pretty bad. That's, you know, fox in the hen house. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's laziness on the part of the federal bureaucracy. It is massive amounts of money by the pharmaceutical companies back, uh, lobbying and pushing and saying, and they make the argument to the FDA and CDC and all these entities that have to authorize what they're creating. Look, you know, I mean, you guys, are, we have, we're big Pfizer here. We're Johnson Johnson. We're Moderna, you know. Do we have research, researchers galore? We're going to do that. We'll do the research for you and let you know. I'm not saying the FDA doesn't oversee it, but once the capacity exists in the private sector to participate with the government in deciding whether 
vaccines and other medications meet federal standards, you have Fox in hen house, no doubt about it. So then you have Pfizer working with the government, helping to do the authorization for the safety of the Pfizer vaccine. So this is what someone said in the Freedom of Information Act. Hey, I, I wanna know your results. You did all this testing, what were the results? So, very interesting. First, the FDA, uh, in fact, someone texted me the answer. First, the, um, both the FDA and Pfizer said, well, you know, uh, it's gonna take us a really, really long time to, to produce. I mean, a lot, a lot of documents here. You know, we need 55 years. I mean, how do you even put that in a filing in federal court without just like, you know, falling over an embarrassment is, is one question. But they actually had the audacity to say, we can't respond to this FOIA request. I mean, look at all this stuff we don't know yet. And so, you know, 55 years will let you know how our testing was conducted. Somehow they could race through the testing. We had a production of a vaccine in, uh, you know, in, in short uh, time in comparison with the production of other vaccines. But to produce it, the uh, data they used to get authorization to use the vaccine, oh my gosh, that, that, that's just ridiculous. That, that'll take forever, uh, 55 years. So some judge wisely said, I don't think so right now, give me the information. So slowly in batches, FDA and Pfizer are releasing this information. Like wh what happened when we tested the Pfizer, va Pfizer vaccines? Okay, so let me just tell you, um, they, they produced about 500 documents per month. And they're saying, uh, in fact, that was their proposal. Given the large number of documents, they would produce 500 documents per month, and that was going to get them to taking 55 years before they could comply. And that's the judge said, uh, nice try. No, you can't do that. You can't take 55 years. But the, what I want to get to was what did get released was the data from December 1st, 2020 through February 28th, 2021. So, you know, from the end of last year till uh, early part of this year, again, December 1st, 2020 to February 28th, 2021. So basically three months of data from the FDA, they showed their adverse events. AE is adverse events. That's like, that's like VAERS, Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, what VAERS is. So this FDA adverse events from the vaccine rollout. It is estimated, so they, they you know, give a bunch of information they redacted, which means they blacked out so you can't see it, took out the information about the total number of vaccinations that took place during that three month window, which kind of would be relevant because, you know, if you, if you uh, only test a thousand people and have 30 deaths, you know, that'd be huge. If you tested, you know, 50 million people and had 10 deaths, that'd be very different. So the denominator matters but the FDA in its release redacted the total number of vaccinations that took place, citing, by the way, national security. I mean, just absurd. Of course, they don't need to hide that number from the American people. But let me get around to what they found. So they ended up producing uh, documents. They first produced 91 pages, um, the first 91 pages of more than 329,000 pages, potentially responsive. And the time period, again, is what I already told you, Okay, so they had, in this time period, the total number of vaccinations still not known. Pfizer received a total of 42,000 42, reports. So people reporting back, something went wrong after I got the vaccine. These are not reports. You say, hey, that was, you know, I had no problem. So all the reports back mean someone had a problem. Pfizer received a total of 42,000 reports within uh, containing and, and then each of these reports may have made more than one thing. Someone may say, you know, on Monday I developed, a, you know, I don't know, a sore throat. On Tuesday I got achy. I don't, it could have a variety of, of um, reactions to the vaccine. But you got to listen to these numbers. 42,000 reports containing 158,000 events. So 158,000 bad reactions in the first three months of, to the Pfizer vaccine. But the number of deaths... The number of deaths just in the first three months of just the Pfizer vaccine was 1,223. 1,223 Americans died from the Pfizer vaccine just in the first three months in which it was in which they they were uh, they were doing these vaccines and getting the reports. So um, so saying 2.9 of the serious adverse 
uh, events reported result in the death of the patient. And so that is a ratio, one death per 34 serious adverse events. One death per 34, every 34 serious adverse events. So we don't have information beyond February of this year. We don't know the denominator, but I just want to say that no wonder Pfizer and CDC were trying to hide this information. I mean, we, you know, that we've talked in the past about the, um, I think it was um, some earlier SARS vaccine. I always forget the name of it, but several years ago, a serious SARS vaccine in which they stopped the vaccine because of like it was 32 deaths. Again, this is a, this is a, the number of deaths, 1,200 23. And I raise this to say that the people who defend the vaccines and say they're perfectly harmless, they're wonderful, they're safe, we're just beginning to get this information from Pfizer. And again, if you, I'm going to go back to my ADGOP members of Congress. I mean, everyone knows the Democrats vote lockstep or whatever Nancy Pelosi tells them, and the Democrats went right along with whatever the left wing agenda is, which is to get a massive vaccination database updated with all of the vaccines for COVID, all of the booster shots. And again, understanding that once that's required, very simple for the government to say, well, you know, where's, uh, you know, Jane Doe? Why isn't she? I bet she didn't get the vaccine. So it allows them to identify those choosing not to get vaccinated and then allows them to treat those unvaccinated people in the way you can already see they're being treated, treated in Australia, New Zealand, Germany, Austria, Italy, all over the globe, you're finding unvaccinated people being treated very, very harshly. I'm telling you, this defense of voting for these 80 Republicans who voted for the vaccine uh, database, I don't care in the past if they had a vaccine database for, you know, chickenpox and rubella and the kind of vaccinations everyone knows about that have been around for decades. In this political environment, in this COVID tyranny environment, you have to be smarter than that if you want to serve in the United States Congress. You have to be smarter than that. Before I turn to my last topic, I'm going to share uh, the way I do this show. I want to tell you just um, about you know doing shows like this. First of all, I've done this show since 2014. I did it on Salem Radio first, then I came over to this incredibly lovely studio uh, in the start of 2019. So I'm coming up on three years, almost three years here. I have never been paid one penny for doing this show. I literally, it's a more, I am more busy now than I was when I practiced law in California as a full-time litigator. I am more busy now than I was when I was a stay-at-home mom. Also a busy job, also a great job, but this job consumes more of my time and I've never been paid for it. And I'm telling you that because I want you to understand, I do it out of love of America. I do it out of a, a just burning passion desire to defend the America of the founding, the founding freedoms of America, the concepts that are uh, for, you know, just uh, God, God so blessed his country with people who wrote down the ideas and the Declaration of Independence in the Constitution, wrote down the ideas about man having inherent right to live in freedom, America, the beacon of liberty, the example of freedom to the world since our founding. And that America, that America, the founding is literally, uh, as, as Sidney Powell said in my show a few weeks ago, we're already over the cliff towards socialism. We're trying to grab onto something and pull ourselves back up. We are way down the path of tyranny out of Washington, government control of your healthcare, government control of your life. And those of us in the freedom movement standing up for America, we do this out of love of America. However, I also need this beautiful studio and producing a show is not free. And so I haven't had sponsors. I've had one sponsor who did not in any way control what I said, but I don't have advertisers, I don't have sponsors that who would be in any way tailoring my message, as is happening, by the way, all over Fox. You can't even get people on Fox at all to talk about election fraud because they're not allowed to. I can speak truth about the issues facing this country. I do my lawyerly background research. I bring my passion for America. I bring you truth about America. And if you like this show, you like what you learn here, you can support this show three ways. Number one, you can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and hit the donate button. There's a donate button on that, on that homepage. I would love if you donate to support this show. It is, it is a, literally a listener-sponsored show, a listener-supported show. 
Uh, that and my husband and I spending our children's inheritance, but hey, you know, that's, what, that's okay. So we have that, we have a donate button, but we have more fun ways and some you get out of it besides getting listen to the show that you could also support this show. One is, and I want to introduce this product again, I talked about it last Wednesday, I think. This is my uh, new thing I just started trying called HydroShot. HydroShot is right here. It is a beverage, and when I first started drinking it, it just had one flavor, which is what I have here, lemon lime. Very mildly flavored, very tasty, and the, I want to tell you what, why this HydroShot is unique and why I'm talking to you about it. HydroShot, first of all, not sold in stores. You have to order it online. HydroShot has mastered, and, and no other company has done this, mastered the idea of molecular hydrogen. Hydrogen infused into the drink itself. And hydrogen is a molecular hydrogen. Hydrogen is the smallest antioxidant there is. It opens your blood vessels. It, oh, it actually allows you to... It, it, infuses molecular hydrogen is infused in your system it is amazing what it does it is a, a really effective anti um, antioxidant um, and it is a uh, it has the highest molecular hydrogen content in terms of parts per millions very tiny and very very tiny antioxidant i will tell you why i got it i had the flu okay so you know i kind of flattened by the flu you know i'm whiny and all this so i call my doctor friend who you know was just I was telling him, I'm feeling better pretty much, but I don't have any energy. He said, try this HydroShot. You won't believe it. HydroShot, it just, it increases focus. It increases mental clarity. It's just that, I mean, I can tell you from my own experience consuming it, I have one in the morning before I have anything else, drink it, wait 20 minutes, and then you've just, you've gotten a start in your system. Then I'll have my coffee, whatever else I have in the morning. But it has tremendous other health impacts that I am not going to talk to you about because I'm not a doctor and I'm not really ready to go in more detail about it. But when I discovered this product, it was from a doctor friend who said now that he knows about it, he drinks it every morning he, and he has uh, his kid drink it too. Uh, it is a, um, it increases your alertness, your clarity, your focus. It's just a great drink, not available, not sold in stores. You got to order it in line. So I sent to Mr. Becker. We'll see if we can show you what more a little bit more about it. So this is HydroShot. This is the website. It's H2 in the top right, h2bev.com. Use the promo code DebbieG. You get 10% off your order. They deliver it to you. It gets delivered quickly. Um, and as I say, they I got this lemon lime flavor and I just uh, went to pick up. It's actually made in Texas where I live or, or near Texas, outside of uh, near Dallas in Texas. And uh, I picked it up at the place where they manufacture it. So I got uh, some strawberry. I haven't tried that one yet. I got some orange, very mild, good taste. But I urge you, go to h2bev.com, use the promo code DebbieG, uh, and, and you can order it by case, and then um, and get your 10% off. And I get a very small percentage if, I, if you do that. I would not, I will not ever, you can come back to me now, I would not ever sell you anything I haven't tried myself. I am not going to brag about, you know, some... Any other, I, I don't, by the way, I'm not a supplement person. I don't really take vitamins. I didn't go and do the whole hydroxychloroquine thing as a prophylactic. I didn't do any of that stuff. I would not tell you unless I've tried it. I'm just telling you, it's pretty darn, it just, you, you just feel more alert. It increases mental faculties. They have some stories on their website. When I went to pick, so there again, I'll show you what it looks like. Have one every morning, chilled, they're really good. So I will tell you that I went to pick it up. Um, at the uh, factory here outside of Dallas, the uh, guy who really kind of created it, he has a lot of stories about how it, the healthful impact, healthful impact it's had on all sorts of people. And I was telling him, you know, um, uh, I think what they should do is put these stories on their website because, you know, I'm not going to repeat secondhand someone's story, I don't know. But the stories they have about how this, it is hydrogen infused, molecular hydrogen, a very powerful antioxidant. Uh, in fact, this same doctor friend I called when a friend of mine um, was in the hospital over the weekend, I was describing what's going on with him uh, with our friend, and he just said, you know, you ought to tell him to try that hydro shot. And he's not making any money on it, to be clear. He's not making any money on it, but he's saying, yeah, it, it just has amazing health impacts. It's not, it's not a medication, and I'm just telling you, I have found it to be uh, quite amazing. Uh, they will list for you on their website other things they have found help stabilizing cholesterol, 
um, increasing cognition and telling your brain function you are clearer thinking, um, fights inflammation, uh, all sorts of good things. So go to their website, read about it, try HydroShot, and actually tell me what you think. Send me an email at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. americacanwetalk at gmail.com. Tell me what you think about it. I, I actually really, really like it. I'm going to close out one other quick story today, uh, and I called it uh, NAPS, and I teased it a little bit earlier today, NAPS, uh, and then just Lane Maxwell, who is the, uh, was the uh, colleague um, of Mr. Epstein, whether he's alive or not, we don't know. But anyway, just Lane Maxwell is now on trial over the horrific, disgusting, actually leave that up for one second, horrific, please, uh, the horrific, disgusting treatment by Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell of underage girls. I have not, I don't do tawdry in this show. I'm not going to delve in and describe Epstein's conduct. I have a good friend of mine wrote a book about it and I've read that book. So I'm pretty clear what he was like. He was a beast, a, a, just a, just an animal. But Ghislaine Maxwell, this beautiful woman uh, who was his ally, is being tried, is being prosecuted. And she's being prosecuted over her conduct, her participation in helping with the, um, with the uh, getting underage girls, like 14-year-old girls, to get them into uh, visiting with Epstein, getting them involved in sex trafficking. I mean, Epstein was mentally ill level sicko. And I'm not gonna give, I, I'm not gonna indulge much of detail about the conduct he engaged in, but I will say, you know, a lot of people watch this. Like I, I have, I think one link in, the, in our, uh, if you go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop in a list of links. I put one story in there. You can, on NPR and other places, uh, you can follow the day's trial. And every day they give a summary at the end of what's happened in just Lane Maxwell trial. But this particular one I put up was a 14-year-old girl. Uh, and, you know, she got lured in by just Lane Maxwell. Actually, just Lane uh, and Jeffrey Epstein approached her um, at a, like a summer arts camp or something like that, um, where she just is, you know, uh, being lured in uh, by them and ends up engaging in sexual activity and being paid. And, you know, she's an adult now and she's sobbing on the witness stand because when you're 14, you actually don't know enough about life. You don't know about mature relationships with uh, and mutually respectful adult relationships. You don't know that yet. You ha you're easily malleable, easily manipulable, and that's what Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein took advantage of. Uh, and with many, many, many people. I will say, by the way, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial is very interesting to me from the perspective of finding out who are all the rich and famous who would fly in Epstein's plane with him, and the pilot is testifying in this trial now, who is, you know, flying down to uh, on Jeffrey Epstein's plane to his pervert island, you know, what famous people, I think their names should be, they will be splashed across my show when I finally do a um, show about this one time, all of them. I don't care what side of the political aisle, I don't care if they were otherwise great people, people participating in Epstein's exploitation of young girls are pigs and they are brutes and they should be all prosecuted, all of them. So anyway, her trial is going on. But one thing people keep saying about Ghislaine Maxwell, I mean, she's obviously very pretty. She came from money. How did she get mixed up in all this? How, how could this even be the case that she was mixed up in this? And I want to tie it into this MAPS thing, M-A-P-S. It stands for Minor Attracted Person. Minor Attracted Person. And there's a movement in the perversion world a movement to say we need to drop the stigma, drop that we need to stop delegitimizing the reality, say they, that some adults are just simply sexually attracted to children. I mean, the argument is, and I want to tell you where this is coming from. There is a professor at Old Dominion University, ODU, Old Dominion. The professor. Um, named Alan, A-L-L-Y-N, Walker. Alan Walker uh, is, a, is a transgender. Um, so it's a woman pretending to be a man. I mean, a, they say, when they say transgender male, it's a woman who's pretending to be a man and trying to function as a man. So she, she he, or rather, I'm going to call her she because she's a she, even though she's trying to be a he. So she's teaching Old Dominion University, and she started a movement, basically, and putting statements out, essentially saying, we need to stop 
stigmatizing people just because they happen to be sexually interested in children. I mean, you know, it's their fault, that's how they're born. It's kind of like, well, you know, I was born with blue eyes, they're born with sexual attraction to children. They shouldn't be punished, they shouldn't, shouldn't say they shouldn't be punished, they shouldn't be stigmatized, they shouldn't be mocked, they shouldn't be ridiculed. And ultimately, of course, where this is leading is legitimizing of, of uh, sexual activity between adults and children. You know, there's that man-boy-love society it has that same argument, you know, we're just men who love boys, and if the boys are happy and we're happy, you know, why is the world condemning us? And it has, it, you know, it used to be, if you were of this mindset, if you knew, if you were an adult sexually attracted to children, uh, that you would not, you would know better than to even say that in public. You would know better than to advocate for that in any public venue, because you know that most of America thinks that is piggish and perverted. I am not talking, by the way, about what's happening in other nations. I am aware of other uh, faith traditions. I'm aware of other nations in which it is more acceptable for adults to have sexual relationship with children, but not in America. I'm not saying it hadn't ever been happening in America. Of course it has, but everyone used to recognize that's perverse, that's wrong, that's grotesque, prosecute the adult, rescue the kid, help the kid get their life back and their head back together. But where we are now is that this professor at a university actually thought it was, you know, a good time to make this argument, hey, why are we stigmatizing people just because uh, they are MAPS, minor attracted persons? Yeah, they put the S on the end of it. And they want to destigmatize pedophilia. That is the goal. And I want to get around tying back to Ghislaine Maxwell. The reason in America for centuries. The reason in many Western civilizations, especially Christian cultures, that we knew to say that is perverse, that is wrong, adults should not be engaging in sexual activity with children. The reason we knew that is because we had a sense of morality derived from the scriptures. We had a sense of morality that children should be protected. The goal of adults is to protect children to raise them up, to teach them about life, to help them become responsible adults. We protected children from perverts. We protected children from creeps who would kidnap them, who would sex traffic them, who would lure them into sexual activity. It was a commonly and widely held societal understanding that we do not encourage or permit or authorize adults to engage in sexual activity with children. It was clearly wrong. And even if you don't have any scriptural basis in your thinking, even if you say, well, I don't care what the scriptures say, just as a matter of civilization, of being a civilized, advanced civilization, we protect children. We protect their innocence. We recognize children do not have the emotional, mental, societal, cultural maturity to make a decision about being sexually active with an adult. A everyone knows this. You could be the most atheistic person out there and you know that children do not have the capacity to process the notion of sexual activity with an adult. But back to where how, how we've gotten here, we have gotten to the point with this professor as an example, and, and she's not the only one. There are other adults, you know, the man-boy love society, other adults advocating for legitimizing and normalizing pedophilia to say, hey, you know, who are we to judge? These are old-fashioned norms. These are trite, you know, these belong back in the, you know, the 18th century. This is modern world. This is 2100. You know, anything goes. Whatever you like to do, you ought to get to do. No morality, no rules around morality, no sense of right and wrong. Anything goes. This is what is being pushed by this Professor Walker, uh, yeah, Professor Walker, um, and others. And I have to say, you know, if you're at all a student of history, you recognize part of this perversion, indulgence and in sexual pleasuring with children, this is a kind of thing that has led to the downfall of civilizations before us. Led to the downfall, of the, you know, the fall of the West, of, of Roman civilization, the fall of, the, the fall of Rome, the whole notion that once you indulge in legitimizing sexual perversion, especially adults and children, there's no end, there's no limit to what is acceptable and agreeable and normal. The Judeo-Christian values 
actually gave society a construct about that idea that children belong in families and should be protected by their families and should be taught by their families sexual morality. They should be allowed to grow and mature into adults before they're faced with those kinds of uh, decisions about their, the conduct they want to engage in. And so I just, I think this is a, you know, canary in the coal mine kind of story to recognize a professor at Old Dominion actually thought it was about time to float the idea, hey, why not, you know, let's just have sexual activity, anything goes, and let's stop demonizing people just because they are pedophiles. Uh, this is a sign that there should, that there is just a, a, a decline of American civilization. And I do think, though, there are more and more Americans recognizing that we have allowed the whole, you know, the, the uh, continuing shifting of sexual norms continuing shifting of, well, who are we to say this is wrong and this is right? You get to the point where some poor child in America is assaulted by an adult pedophile, and you're going to hear the defense in a court someday. You're going to hear the defense in society. Well, you know, this is just, that's how pedophiles are. Who are we to say they're wrong? I mean, you know, uh, and who are we to say that child can't enjoy it or shouldn't enjoy it? We have a job as civilized adults in America to protect the children of this country, to protect the culture of this country, to call out perverts like this Professor Walker and others who engage in this, because otherwise you do end up with more Ghislaine Maxwells. Clearly, in her head, no idea, or, or at least no ability to follow through and carry out moral behavior with respect to children, because she'd grown up and she had become, in some way, just immersed in the idea, hey, it's okay, you know, yeah, they're minors, but you know, uh, it's not so bad. Who are we to say that's a bad thing? And you get to just Lane Maxwell when you humor the Dr. Walkers of this world. I'm about out of time, and I do at the end of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start out, 80 rhinos vote for their own extinction. 80 House Republicans join the Democrats to vote to expand funding for a nationwide COVID and other vaccination database. And this environment, this present environment of COVID tyranny, an obvious advance of the surveillance state masked in the name of public health. These 80 are unable to connect the dots of deep state manipulation. Biden team stridently pushing vaccine mandates and passports despite numerous court rulings telling them they can't do that. They're, they want to ignore the rulings. Watch what's happening in the EU and Australia. Totalitarian mandatory vaccination is clearly being contemplated even by leftists in the US, in the US government, for a disease with a 99 plus percent recovery rate and multiple efficacious therapies. Nationwide vaccine database has set the stage for a social credit score system as we've talked about in the show before and as they have in China. You're gonna have your freedom taken away if you don't get the right score from them. Dan Crenshaw, defense for his yes vote, that the database already existed. This vote was to expand coverage and strengthen privacy, misses the point. COVID is the left's current vehicle to expand power. And he and all 80 of them are helping them. Rhinos need to wake the hell up or they will all be voted out. And uh, on maps, this perversion uh, we were just talking about, just laying and legitimizing sexual perversion, just saying Maxwell trial is already demonstrating the recruiting and grooming of a 14-year-old girl by Epstein and Maxwell, actually numerous of them. Old Dominion University transgender professor urges new category, minor attracted persons. Adult sexual exploitation of minors is child abuse. Sanctioning the destruction of innocence, denying the value of protecting the young as they mature into adulthood. This is where the radical left atheism leads. No moral standards, no reason for moral standards. Life is about nothing more than animal instincts and appetites, anything goes. America has always stood for a higher concept of men and women as coming from a creator who endows them with inalienable rights. And that implies a moral ordered society in which to enjoy them. America must reject this culture destroying perversion. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I do this show because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?